Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Start of the second period. Maple Leafs leading the Canucks 2-1. Matthews and Spets are the goal scorers. Pearson for Vancouver. Ottawa trying to get back in the win column and end their ugly slump. They are up 2-1 on Montreal. That is after the first period. Shabbat and Stutzler, the goal scorers for Ottawa. Gallagher has the reply for the Canadians. Blue Jackets lead the Stars 2-0 early in the second period. It's 2-2 Nashville and Florida. That is after the first and also after the first the Rangers leading the Capitals one zip with Ryan Strom picking up his third of the season. Flames and Jets about to face off. Sam Bennett scratched for that game by the Calgary Flames coaching staff. Also coming up, Chicago home to Carolina. The Coyotes face the Blues. And there are three games tonight that were on the schedule but postponed due to COVID. Sabres, Islanders, Devils, Penguins, and the Wild and the Avalanche. And the NHL has brought in more COVID-19 preventative measures today. First of all, they're taking out the glass behind the bench. This is, the league says, to allow for airflow to move more easily away from the benches where the players and the coaches are in close proximity to one another during games. So that is affected today. No glass behind the bench. Once this glass comes out, the seating area behind the bench on the lower level can't be occupied by anyone. And any club medical personnel that had been in those sections will have to move somewhere else. Also, and this is kind of an interesting one, The uh, NHL is saying in order to minimize the period of time for possible exposure and transmission of COVID-19 while players are gathered at the arena, that players and coaching staff, wherever practical, can't come to the rink until one hour and 45 minutes before puck drop. You can come if you need... um, some kind of treatment or it says to engage in preparations in advance of the game. So that's a bit of a change. You can't get there until a minute 45 before the game. Uh, Other stuff about physical distancing in team spaces and air filtration and air cleaning too. But those are the, certainly the glass you're going to notice and that could change some things along the way and players can't get to the rink as early this coming with, of course, Four members, uh, four players for the Buffalo Sabres being placed in the COVID protocol. Two of them, former Oilers, Taylor Hall and Tobias Reeder, Rasmus Rostelainen, Brandon Montour, and Ralph Kruger of the Buffalo Sabres, the head coach who used to coach here in Edmonton, both head coach and assistant coach. He goes into the COVID protocol as well. And the New Jersey Devils now up to 17 players in the COVID protocol. So games affected south of the border so far so good here in Canada. Hopefully it keeps up. All right, so the Oilers were back on the ice today. Ethan Bear did practice after not being on the ice since, well, the last time we saw him was Saturday. He got hit while sitting on the bench with a puck in that game against the Maple Leafs. So he was back out there today. Head coach Dave Tippett comments on Bear's status. 
Bearsy, I haven't talked to the trainers yet. The goal was him to go out and go through a practice, and then we'll see where he is after practice. But he seemed he seemed fine out there, but I haven't talked to him yet, so we'll see where that takes us this weekend. All right, so we still get the we see on Bear, but I think a good sign that he's out there today, two days in advance of the game. The Oilers will practice tomorrow, head to Calgary. They play there Saturday night. We have the game for you, of course, 6.30 for the face-off show, and the puck will drop at 8 o'clock. Full practice today for the Oilers. The taxi squad players were out there with the main group. So you had five lines plus a little bit worth of forwards. You had nine defensemen on the ice. I, I It wouldn't surprise me if they go with 7D again on Saturday. Maybe you bring Ethan Bear in. Does William Laguson come out? Does Slater Cuckoo come out? Does somebody who plays, who has a right shot, have to play the left side? All of a sudden, the Oilers have these right shot D that you think are going to be in the lineup. Tyson Berry is going to be in. I think they're going to keep Bouchard in. If Ethan Bear is healthy, he plays. And I, I know Adam Larson hasn't had a great season to this point, but I don't think he would come out if it came to that. So you may have to see a right defenseman play the left side at least some of the time, depending on how they set up the rotation. So that's something to keep an eye on and something we'll continue to talk about tonight. Alex Chason spoke today after practice. Now, Several members of the Oilers have been on waivers at some point this season to get them to the taxi squad. And then once you clear waivers, you don't, you don't have to clear for a while. But Chason was available. And it was kind of interesting because he played Sunday, uh, got placed on waivers, and then cleared and was right back in the lineup on Tuesday. I thought he might sit out. Uh, maybe they, you know, since now they could move him to the taxi squad. Chason, who has been... I think decent as an Edmonton Oiler. He gives you what he has. He's had some good moments on the power play. He's had some streaky sections where he's been a pretty good scorer. Uh, I mean, he came in in 18-19 and got a career-high 22 goals. Pretty good. Last year, he had 11 goals in 65 games. So maybe he gets two or three more if they would have played the entire season. This year, hasn't been able to come up with a point yet. Now, he's playing more in a depth role. He's not in the top six, which he would get the opportunity to be sometimes in the past. And he's on the power play, but he's not always on the power play. And, of course, he hasn't played every game. And Chason spoke very candidly today about being waived. It was a a little bit disappointing as a player, not towards the organization, but towards myself. I think uh, uh, he hasn't been the start of the season I was hoping for. Uh, Obviously, with all the, the new addition of... Uh, extra players and all that. Um, I was hoping to get off to a better start. A little bit nervous. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, whether, you know, you got to pack and leave and uh, where you're heading to or you're staying here. So it's on me now. I think, uh, you know, I'm here. Uh, uh, hopefully I get a few opportunities again and mm, I got to make sure I find a way to stay in the lineup and find a way to put some point on the board. I, I, I haven't had many scoring chance. I, I haven't capitalized of, of any of them really. So putting the time in practice, preparation, you know, you, you're trying to find uh, your, your spot mentally and hopefully I, I can get back to that gym sooner than, than later. All right. So that's Alex Chason. You've heard him over the years here at Edmonton. He's generally thoughtful. He generally tries to give you a complete and honest answer. And that was honest. That's nervous for a player to be put on waivers and, 
from my dealings with Chase on, he likes playing here. He likes living here. He wants to be on the Oilers and certainly some nervous times when he was placed on waivers. I, I think another one of those guys in the bottom six you're looking for a little more of. We've talked about Kyle Turris a lot. We've talked about Zach Cassian. I think we've seen some good things from Josh Archibald has a couple of goals. I think Gaetan Haas has come in and looked good in the couple of games he's played. So those guys got to check and they got to score. I mean, I know Rob Brown says if you're a depth guy and you're even, that's good. And and definitely you don't want to get, get scored on, but I still think the Oilers need a little bit more offense from those areas of the lineup. And Chase Lund is a guy who's given them that in the past, hasn't been able to do it this season. I'm curious to see how it goes for Alex, who, who I think is a good pro. I think he, he plays to his strengths. I think he puts in the work. Um, do I think he's a top six player? No. And I've said this before, you know, when, when he was on the Capitals cup winning team in 2018, he played 16 playoff games. He didn't play every playoff game. There were nights for the Washington Capitals. He was a healthy scratch. So I think if you're a really, really good team, Alex chase on, you know, might be on the fourth liner, might be scratched. Sometimes might be asked to come in and play not a lot five on five, but help screen the goalie on the power play or whatever it is you need him to do. But I do think he can contribute. And I do think that the way the Oilers roster is, is structured, he can contribute specifically to this roster. He said it, he knows he's not doing it. He has been streaky in his career. So hopefully things turn around for him. I, I was talking about the COVID situation and every division has been affected in the United States. Uh, I mentioned that there were three games on the schedule tonight that have all been postponed because of the COVID protocols. And uh, Chase on was, was asked about that so far, no COVID cases on the Oilers, none in Canada. I think for us as a team, we realize, you know, how big of an impact that can, that can have in our team. I think I'm hoping the majority of the guys just try to be as careful as they can. And uh, it seems like our team has done a good job. And I, I think as, as our, a whole division too. It sounds like everyone uh, has done good, but you know, you know, you get one bad luck break, and you've seen it on teams. Um, you know, it, it spreads like wildfires. It's just gotta be careful. It's just, just I know. I, I guess sounds cliche, but if our team can stay healthy, then you know, our, our, we don't have to play condensed uh, schedule, and we're allowed to have like two or three days off here, like we're having to get guys back healthy and get our our game back. All right, a little bit there from Alex Chason. We'll get to some comments from Dave Tippett about how the defense is going to be structured. We'll hit on a couple other stories in Canadian sports today as well. My name's Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. You can get in touch. Phone number 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Four minutes into the first period, no score between Calgary and Winnipeg. The Flames just started a power play. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. You may have seen this news today on the good old internet and or social media, wherever you get your news, that Jay and Dan on TSN is now just Jay on TSN. Dan O'Toole, uh, one of the people let go by Bell today. Uh, you know, Jay Onright has obviously been on this show several times over the years. One of my uh, one of my best friends. So uh, I, I know that he confirmed that to me today, that Dan is no longer there. Producer Tim from their show also let go. And those guys really were a package deal for the last, well, decade or, or more that they kind of, uh, you know, when they first really made it big on TSN, they, they made that producer Tim personality, the mystery man behind the scenes, part of their shtick. 
All three of them went to Fox Sports and helped launch FS1 when uh, it broke ground as Fox's all-sports station. And they were there before for uh, almost four years, and that run eventually came to an end. And they came back to uh, TSN, where they've been back, uh, I don't even know how long it is, two and a half years, I think. And uh, so that's uh, that's the news today. So a long-standing and very popular television duo in this country, who I really think elevated and added some interesting dimensions to uh, highlight shows. And and certainly humor being included in highlight shows wasn't necessarily something new. I think probably they they took it to another level. Jay's been on the show. I know him personally. He is an odd man. He's not afraid to show that, and he did it to his strengths on that show. And again, he is continuing on the show. It's it's uh, it's Jay. I don't know what's happening beyond that, what their plans are, but, but Dan O'Toole no longer with Bell. And I was also sad to see that Natasha Staniszewski was let go as well. Uh, Natasha's originally from Edmonton. I've known her probably 16 or 17 years when I was in Lloydminster, she was briefly my practicum student in the sports department in Lloydminster and uh, quickly ascended to work at the national level as I, as I think I knew she would when I first was getting to know her. So uh, sad to see that uh, she was let go by bell today as well. So, you know, not unique, obviously to broadcasting, that uh, you can unfortunately be let go very, uh, very promptly and very unceremoniously. I, I, I'm sure people are listening who have dealt with that personally or with people in their lives. So I'm not, uh, I'm not saying this for any uh, woe is me just for broadcasting, but it did happen to some people that I know and who are public figures and who are uh, popular figures, I think, or, you know, in Natasha's case, obviously right from Edmonton. And while Dan is from Ontario, Dan for a while worked in Fort McMurray. That's when I first met Dan O'Toole would have been almost 21 years ago, AJHL playoffs. He was the play-by-play voice of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons team that won the uh, RBC on home ice back in 2000. That was the first time I ever met Dan O'Toole. I believe he went to Vancouver after that and then wound up with TSN. He is uh, originally from the Peterborough area. So a little bit from broadcasting news today. We'll see how, uh, I guess, Jay has a show tonight because he does it Sunday through Thursday. So... We'll, uh, we'll tune into that and uh, see how he does. I'm sure he's having uh, a tough day losing his uh, his longtime partner. But I know Jay's a pro, and the show will get on go on, and I'm sure he'll find ways to entertain all of us. Can also tell you that the Double E football team doing another online 50-50. This one is going to be February 14th. You may remember the the double E football team had that big 50-50 raffle in support of the Joey Moss Memorial Fund and Northern Alberta football programs. Now a third online 50-50 sponsored by Sentinel Storage in support of fundraising efforts of the world's longest hockey game and the Cure Cancer Foundation. World's longest hockey game underway today. Those guys are cold. Those guys are cold, but they're going to tough it out. We had Brent Sake on the face-off show the other night. We had Kyle Brodziak. Uh, we talked to him earlier in the season. He's taking part in this game. So uh, they're working towards a record-breaking 250 hours on the ice. The double E football team draw is going to be on Valentine's Day, Sunday, February 14th. Now, you got to remember the last two draws that they've had uh, awarded – well, the total pot was $1.4 million for one of them 
and $871,000 for the other. So let, you know, we can push it up there around a million. This is going to be Sunday, February 14th. The tickets will go on sale at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. It'll close at uh, 9, and they should have the winning number drawn and posted by 10 o'clock on the Double E Football Team website. We'll remind you about that as we get closer to the day, too. Of course, the Oilers are doing 50-50 draws every game day, home or away, so they'll have another one coming up on Saturday, presented by REMAX. This one, the double E football team presented by Sentinel Storage. That's going to be on Valentine's Day. So a couple notes for you there. All right. So the Oilers had yesterday off back at practice today. And, uh, you know, I was talking earlier. They got Evan Bouchard. Nice season debut the other day. Ethan Bear. I would say looking fairly healthy. I'm optimistic he's going to play on Saturday. Tyson Berry is going to be in the lineup and Adam Larson's going to be in the lineup. And Dave Tippett was asked today about suddenly the abundance of right-handed defensemen. You know, it's a good problem to have. We have uh, depth on our defense, and I think we're going to need that and use it. Um, what it does is it gives me another tool to, uh, you know, if you want to play 11 and 7, you can do that. Um, you're looking, what you're looking for is you have players in the right roles throughout your lineup between power play, penalty kill, and then it gets deeper than that. You get puck movers, defenders. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it, but... Uh, Young Bouchard came in, played well the other night, and uh, so he's put himself in the mix. Okay, so Bouchard, Bear, Larson, Barry down the right side. Down the left side, you have Nurse, Cuckoo, Russell, Lagason, and Jones. I don't think Nurse is coming out. I would think Chris Russell's going to stay in for the time being. I have liked Cuckoo's game for the most part this season. He has been scratched twice. He played less than 10 minutes, though, in the the last game against Ottawa. So maybe my, the coaching staff doesn't share my evaluation of Slater Cuckoo. William Lagason, I think, gives you what he has. I, I think he's, he's a depth defenseman, doesn't have a lot of puck skills. I, I think he's done decent killing penalties. He's shown he can play a little bit rugged and get in the way of shots. I'm not sure he's great five on five. And and then you got Caleb Jones, who, you know, has had a bit of a tough start to the year. I still think there's a player there. Not sure how soon he comes back in. I would I would leave Cuckoo in. I, I mean, could you see a situation here where you go nurse Cuckoo Russell down the left and you go Bouchard, Bear, Barry, and Larson? down the right. And Tippett was asked about that. Could you possibly dress four right shot defensemen on Saturday? We've had lots of conversations with them, but we're just going to take it day by day here until we see there's always injuries happen. There's things that are coming in and out of your lineup all the time. So we'll, uh, we'll take it day by day and every day we'll try to figure out what's the best chance for us to win. All right. Well, Tippett's good at that. Politely telling us he's going to take everything day by day as I'm sure he will, but Again, those those are four guys down the right side. I, Bouchard had a good game. You know, Bear has maybe not been as spectacular as he was at times last year, but he, he gives the Oilers a bit of a puck-moving element. He can get his shot away. And uh, Tyson Berry's not coming out of the lineup. Adam Larson, yes, has has struggled at times this year, uh, perhaps a lot, maybe more than we we would like, I would say. But I don't know if he's coming out. I think he has the the veteran status there. So I don't know if they're taking Adam Larson out of the lineup. So you could see four right-shot defensemen against the Flames on Saturday. And as I was telling you earlier, that game's going to be played with no glass behind the coaches. This is part of the NHL's new COVID protocol. They are, they're, they're calling it the shielding, removing of the shielding behind the bench 
to help with airflow. Dave Tippett commented on that glass coming out. I don't mind the glass coming out behind. It reminds me of the old Maple Leaf Gardens in, in Montreal where the fans were right there all the time, which is not, not wasn't a bad thing. Get some emotion in the game. We won't have fans, but if they need more air blowing, that's, I guess that's what it is. The corners of the bo- of the benches will still act as uh, when the, when the uh, puck goes over the glass, they use those corners kind of as the, uh, uh, barometer so hopefully we don't get in any bad situations like that but uh, it's just it's another one of the protocols that we're looking at every day it seems like there's some adjustments and you have to be willing to roll with it and just adjust as it goes along and hope for the best yeah and he was talking about the corners of the glass being used for judgment for the puck over the glass penalty so if it goes over they'll they'll judge you know based on the corner of the glass that's on the boards. If it goes over that, that that's how they'll judge for that penalty. So anyway, a little bit of luck behind the bench battle of Alberta. Yes. First one since the big goalie fight, at, at least that's going to count. They played an exhibition game before the qualifying rounds in the summer. Going to be the first BOA for defenseman Tyson Barrett. It gets a lot of play around here. Um, it should be a lot of fun. It's been a great rivalry for a long time and obviously it boiled over a bit last year. So I'm sure that's going to carry over. And um, I always like playing against Calgary. So hopefully uh, carry that over and, you know, get into it a little bit. You know, it's funny. And you've heard Stoffer talk about this. The Oilers only team in the North division without a fight this year. Going to be fireworks on Saturday. First of 10 games. Are we going to be in for it 10 times with these two teams going at it, dropping the gloves? Could be. It's funny, you know, I was talking to my my mom this afternoon, who overall is quite a gentle person. You know, she's always, well, which, why don't why don't you have 50 pierogies instead of 40? Maybe you need a little more sustenance. You know, like she's she's very sweet. Like, oh, maybe we should maybe we should put more blankets on the dog so he's warm. But I was talking to my mom this afternoon and she's like, There's gonna be fighting on Saturday. I bet you there's gonna be a big fight. It's like, okay, mom, that's that's good. Just relax. Get 48 hours. Save that energy. Still no score between the Flames and the Jets. Eight and a half minutes left in the first period. We'll catch up with Jennifer Botterill when we get back. Okay, the Ottawa Senators looking good. Five minutes left in the second period. They lead the Canadians 3-1. Also late in the second period, Toronto up 4-2 on Vancouver. Austin Matthews has two goals. He is up to eight on the season. Hurricanes and Blackhawks 1-1 late in the first. Also in the first, Coyotes lead the Blues. One zip. Flames and Jets are scoreless as they approach the first intermission as well. In the second period, Blue Jackets up 3-1 on the Stars. Panthers leading the Predators 4-3. And the Rangers now with a 2-0 cushion on the Washington Capitals. Oilers, Flames, we finally get a battle of Alberta. It is Saturday night. It's a 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock puck drop right here on 6.30. Chad, four-game road trip for the Oilers. Ottawa, Monday and Tuesday, and then in Montreal a week from today. So the Oilers had a pretty condensed schedule, three days without a game here, and then they play four games in six nights and then get another three-day break. They will not play next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 12th, 13th, and 14th. A rare 
weekend without a game for the Edmonton Oilers. That usually happens once, maybe twice in a regular regular season. One thing a little odd about the Oilers' schedule this year, they do not have any more Sunday games. They played two of them, and that's it. No more Sunday games for the Edmonton Oilers, unless, of course, uh, we get into the postseason and some games there fall on a Sunday. Anyway, I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports... Someone with, uh, see, this is the thing when there's so many of them, I have to double check with the guest when I bring her on the show. Jennifer Bottle is on the show. Uh, a four-time Olympic medalist, is that correct? That is correct, yes. <laughs> see, I got to double check because that is so, like usually if I interview somebody with one Olympic medal, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. You got four of them. What, what do you have, three gold and a silver? That's right. So sometimes the silver doesn't get quite as much airtime, but yes. Correct. Well, it's still pretty cool to have uh, an Olympic medal, and I and I. But see, th- see, Jennifer, you have already done something that I have found in my years of being a talk show host that most former athletes will do. They are more irritated about the negative results or the negative happenings than they are joyful about the positive results. <laughs> I bring up the medals, and the first thing you bring up is how you wish we didn't have to talk about the silver. See. <laughs> Too funny. Well, I'm happy to revisit any of the gold memories anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do that. Uh, we could do. Well, what, what was it like to win a gold medal in Canada? I'll start with the softball, 2010 Vancouver. <laughs> oh, we really don't have to start. But it was it was amazing. That was you know people asked what my favorite career moment was you know hands down it had to be that that gold medal game in Vancouver. I mean for us getting the chance to play in Canada in front of, you know, thousands of people there. And, and it set a new record of millions of viewers that had watched a women's hockey game. So uh, it was a pretty special experience. And for us uh, that we played well and brought home the gold for Canada, we just, uh, we felt like the whole country was sort of there with us too when we got those, uh, those medals presented. So highlight of my career. Absolutely. Well, the whole country was with you. Of course, I had to ask you something about a gold medal. My goodness, that's that's pretty cool. How is uh, how, how how long ago did you transition into broadcasting now, and how how did that come about for you? Yes. So I retired from my competitive playing days uh, shortly after Vancouver. And then I was fortunate to get into some um, broadcasting that next season covering some women's hockey. And it's sort of been a, I guess, a gradual, you know, transition and, and growth from there in terms of covering women's hockey and then doing some men's hockey at the Olympics in Sochi in 2014. Uh, and then I've had some um, opportunity to, to cover the New York Islanders for the past couple of years and then now having the chance to do um, some work with Sportsnet and and being an analyst there so uh, I've really enjoyed the variety of roles you know from doing in-studio work to being between the benches uh, and then providing analysis uh, you know pre-games and intermissions so I, I loved playing the game but it's also been a really enjoyable way to stay connected to the sport but in a different capacity so i really yeah. enjoyed it yeah well I, I i enjoy your work and i've you know i've seen a lot of positive comments uh for social media and, and stuff like that and just you know a couple a uh, couple friends who've said oh you know like jennifer bought actually one of them said you got to get her on your show and i'm like of course we will we're getting there so we, we got we got we got there tonight which is good do you find um when you're analyzing a game, like, has there been something you've you've been where it's like, okay, I have to be really because because even though I do a two hour talk show, I still find 
try to be concise with your words. You know, you have a lot of time, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you can you can babble. That's something mm-hmm. I continue to work on and struggle with. What has it been sort of for you in polishing your broadcasting skills? Well, yeah, I think it's it's picking out the elements that will be most captivating for the viewers and the audience. And as a person who has been involved in sport and and hockey for so much of my life, as you know, we could chat about it and talk about it uh, at great lengths. So it's just, I think, trying to narrow it down to find the things that stand out the most and then uh, hopefully just provide a different perspective uh, to the viewers and the audience and, and make them feel more connected. So I think I'm always trying to find unique unique angles or things that are happening uh, happening in the game that uh, you know some viewers may not notice on their own or it's just a different look or a different um, yeah, point of view so yeah uh, and I guess the whole idea is trying to make um, you know the games and the broadcast as entertaining as possible for for people watching so that's always something I try to keep in mind to hopefully make it entertaining and captivating for people yeah, well said. And as uh, we hear you say that, Calgary gets on the board, 55 seconds left in the first period. So they go up one nothing on, on the Winnipeg Jets. Interesting season for the Oilers so far, Jennifer. And that's that's the one thing I enjoy once the season starts. There's so many little sections to the season and ups and downs. And just 12 games in, we've already seen that for Edmonton. Now they're, they're doing better. They've won three in a row. I know there's the, well, they only beat Ottawa comment but you got to beat <laughs> ottawa if you're gonna if you're gonna compete i mean look david and dry settle are still producing a ton of points i'm wondering anything that sort of struck you about the oilers and and their play this season well i mean well there's there's so much fun to watch right you can't help but but uh, check uh, check up on them when they're playing in terms of the entertainment value, right? I mean, I, I was a forward when I played, so I'm always drawn to the offensive plays. So when you have McDavid and, and Dreisaitl and, and uh, Nugent Hopkins that are, you know, tearing it up and having beautiful plays on a consistent basis, it's just, it's fun to see. It's fun for the game. Uh, in terms of, you know, the season for them, uh, you know, it's been, I mean, up and down already at this point of the season, but, you know, it does sound, you know, looking at some some of the content from the team that they feel like they're moving in the right direction, that they don't feel like they're, uh, you know, all the way on where they want to be for production. And, you know, prior to these three games, it was a big focus of their team to, to make sure they finished games off, right, that they weren't playing a solid 60 minutes. Uh you know, the goaltending remains, I guess, the question mark. I mean, they're putting such a heavy load on Koskinen at this point, and everyone knows it's a demanding season. Uh, so I guess that's the tough part. But, you know, they believe that, you know, this next stretch can be sort of a, a key um, point in the season for them if they can string together a few more wins. I'm wondering, because two players that we've talked about a lot are Tyson Berry and Kyle Turris. And they both were signed as free agents, and they were both signed to do something rather specific. Barry, you're mm-hmm. a right shot on the power play. You got to fill in for Clefbaum and maybe make the power play just as good mm-hmm. or better because he's been so good on the power play. And Turris, uh, a third line center, which let's face it, the Oilers really haven't had a, a legitimate one in a long time. Barry, I, I think, struggled early. I think his last four games have been a lot better. Turris, mm-hmm. you know, has a goal, but, you know, he's he's minus quite a bit and he's had his ice time mm-hmm. cut. You know, your experience there as a player, I don't know if you were, you were ever in that position yourself where you were being asked to do something, then you struggled, or if not, you probably had teammates come in where you knew, okay, mm-hmm. she's supposed to be X and Y, but she's only doing Z and that's not what we need. Mm-hmm. How does an athlete fight through that? Yeah, 
that. I mean, I mean, both the players that you mentioned, you know, have shown in the past uh, what they're capable of. And, you know, I'm sure the organization and the Oilers still believe in in what they can bring. And, you know, even Barry's comments so that he feels like he, again, he's gaining more confidence and, and moving in the direction that he wants to. Uh, and, I, you know, I personally, I remember the one Olympic year it was the Torino Olympics. And yeah, it was halfway through the season and I wasn't producing. I wasn't contributing offensively the way that I wanted to. You know, my feedback wasn't as good from the coaches. Um, but then there was a bit of a turning point for me and it was conversations, it was communication and, and it was, I don't know, revisiting, I guess, some of my basic strengths as a hockey player. So for these guys, it's similar to sort of go back to the basic strengths of, of what makes them the players that they are. And, uh, you know, just because the start hasn't been maybe as, um, as, as super as they may have liked it to be, um, there still is the potential for a lot of play here for the rest of the season and to know that they can turn it around. So, um, I think as a player, it's just it's not getting into a negative cycle where you think, okay, well that's it, you know, the season's shot. Um, you know, it's making a conscious choice and making the say, well, you know what, maybe I need to work a little smarter and remember the reasons and and the strengths that I bring to this game. And then all the other things things start to come in terms of your anticipation, your reading the play, making uh, you know uh, the right decisions on on the puck and away from from the puck as well. So I think those are a few things in terms of your perspective that can help as a player. Uh, you know, perform more more to to your high potential. Yeah, Jennifer Botterill joining us tonight on Inside Sports from Sportsnet, former member of the Canadian Women's National Hockey Team, four-time Olympic medalist. I, I want to ask you about a couple things specific to the women's game, if you don't mind. The, the news earlier this week: the National Women's Hockey League uh, had to suspend its shortened season because of uh, COVID positive COVID tests and just general safety concerns, I guess, is how they kind of worded it. Two of the six teams had to withdraw from what was a two-week tournament. Um, I, I, I think it was the CWHL you played in, not not this league, but still, you know, a, a women's league. And I know they've, they're trying to, you know, keep going on solid footing. I mean, tough situation to obviously think you can get the season going and finished, and then, and then you're not able to do it. It is tough, uh... But I think with many, uh, you know, leagues and and uh, and organizations at this point, everybody wants to keep playing and and, and get the exposure uh, for the game. But there are far more important priorities right now, and uh, obviously, people's health is is the main focus. So, you know, it sounds like it was certainly a decision that had to be made, and. Uh, you know, on the other hand, I know that the uh, PAWHPA uh, has been working hard with their players as well to try to get more opportunities for, for players involved, um, you know, with that association. So, yeah, tough because that league was, was starting to get some exposure and, and we always wanted to grow awareness for the women's game. Uh, but we, uh, I think everybody has to be smart, right, with decisions at this point. So unfortunate, but I think it had to be, you know, had to happen. But speaking of growing exposure for the games, tell me about the game coming up in New York. Can you get Phyllis in on that? Yes, yes. So the the Professional Women's um, Hockey Players Association announced that they've uh, uh, reached a, play, um, a partnership with um, the New York Rangers, that they're going to have a showcase game um, at Madison Square Garden. So really great news. I mean, such a, an iconic uh, building and, and a great place to to play a hockey game. So, uh, yeah, I was chatting with uh, Jana Hefford the other day, and we were kind of joking. We were tempted to come out of retirement to come back and play. <laughs> play in that venue 
So, uh, but it's great. I mean, that's what, for many of these players, it's, it's many of your top uh, players on both Team USA and Team Canada. They're involved with this Players Association, and their their goal is just to to try to be a part of a sustainable, you know, professional women's hockey league. So great news for them that they have this partnership with the Rangers and this opportunity coming up. And Jennifer, I'll I'll close with this. Uh, I mean, women's hockey has come such a long way. And I, I guess we even start when, you know, calling it, girls hockey with with you know now there's female divisions in in most communities and they don't have to play on boys teams and, and all that kind of stuff and, and certainly you know you're part of the generation that really uh help you know grow the game to use that phrase and increase the exposure and get a lot of people ex- excited about women's hockey so first of all congratulations and thank you for doing that what would your message you. be to the what would your message be to the uh six, eight, ten-year-old next Jennifer Botterills who want to pursue <laughs> some sort of hockey career? Yes. Well, you know, a few things. Uh, I look back, I think it's super uh, important for uh, young athletes and, and young young girls that are intrigued in the sport to believe in themselves. That was a big piece of, of my path and my career was having the belief uh, in those dreams and those goals. So I think the second one is probably for for them to have fun, you know, at every stage. I remember when we were playing in Vancouver, we talked about this at the very beginning of our conversation on the highlight of my career was playing in that gold medal game. And I thought of, uh, you know, the reason when I first started playing the game and I was, my parents said I was smiling through my cage as a kid when I played the game. And I feel like when we were playing at the Olympics, we still had that smile on our faces. Uh, So for young kids that are getting started in the game and they have a good time with it, um, that's probably the most important thing. And uh, yeah, for young kids, it, it takes a lot of hard work and you might need to make different decisions than your friends along the way to be dedicated to your sport. Um, but that, that's part of the path. So I think those three things, the belief, the enjoyment, uh, and then putting in the effort, the dedication too. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Hey, this was awesome to have you on the show. We'll have to ha- have you on again. Um, right. Cause we got, we got two other gold medal games to tell stories about. And then plus we'll have more <laughs> NHL developments, whatever, whenever that happens. Thanks so much for making time for us tonight. Okay, pleasure. Nice to chat with you. Thanks so much. That is Jennifer Botterill checking in from Sportsnet and, of course, a uh, longtime member of the Canadian women's national hockey team. Uh, Just an outstanding career, like I said. The four Olympic medals and a total of eight medals at the Women's World Championships, five of them gold and three of them silver. So, yeah, tough news. The NWHL had to shut down its season but there will be that game Canada versus the U.S. February 28th with uh, the New York Rangers putting that on at MSG. So that is pretty cool. 6.49, the Flames and the Jets through the first period. Mangiapane with the goal at 19.04 of the first. So one nothing Calgary after one. We'll keep you updated on that one as the Oilers are then going to be in Calgary on Saturday to face the Flames. Happy to hear from you at 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chet.
hands, right hands helmet, big right-handed shot from Mike Smith. This is the battle of Alberta we've been waiting for for three decades. Some of the most famous play-by-play in Edmonton sports history from just over a year ago, February 1st, 2020, the last time the Oilers played in Calgary, the famous goalie fight between Talbot and Smith, who will not be the goalies on Saturday, but still a, uh, a fun memory and a good night for the Oilers. I mean, they won the game 8-3. They, they were totally in control of that one. Alex Chason, of course, was on the ice for all that. To be honest, I, I, I think I, I was like on the ice for like 30 seconds. Like I was, the ref was on me, someone else was on me. I, I couldn't get out. And then finally I got out. I saw, I think, Bearsy was fighting Kachuk. And then Smitty and, and Cam were going off center ice. And then um, everyone was just cheering. It was loud. It was just, I mean, you can't make this up. So, um, yeah, like I said, it was my 500th career game and just... A lot happened that night, definitely. That was a crazy night. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, some texts here to 780-496-0063. Hey, Reed, is there a time frame to make up the games postponed due to COVID? How does that work? Yeah, the B-Money, they, they get rescheduled. I, I don't know if they've uh, rescheduled all of them yet, but if, if you go on the NHL website, there'll usually be a press release with rescheduled days. So some of them get moved back to other parts in the season. And then there is that buffer week after the regular season ends, uh, what would it be, May 7th or 8th? Then they've moved some games to that to that week. And that's sort of a spot they left to, to move some games if they do have to move some there. So that's generally how that's happened. Hopefully it doesn't affect the... Uh, Hopefully that doesn't affect uh, anybody in the Canadian division. Another texture says, any word if James Neal is playing? There isn't, though. The, now, look, a couple days before practice, I don't necessarily put too much into the line combinations. And everybody was out there today. So, I mean, there were a lot of players on the ice. I think it was 27 players. I didn't see Patrick Russell out there today, but all the taxi squad players were there. But... It looked like that Neil was on a line with Turris and Cassian from the drills they were doing today. Doesn't necessarily mean he comes back in on Saturday. That's the most I can tell you there. And Peter from Wainwright says, Reed, why does your mom sound like Shorzy from Letterkenny? I, I have to admit, I have not watched Letterkenny. And is it my gentle, my, is it my mom's gentle voice or my mom's sports fanatic voice that makes her sound like Shorzy? Kellen, do you know Shorzy from Letterkenny? I'm sorry, I can't help you there. We're of no help to anybody. No pop culture on this show. Just all old books. Well, and hockey. We'll keep talking about that when we get back. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.